record of the story of Abraham, who was dead in some ways that we'll be looking at and that God brought to life. But before we get there, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 9. It says, this is the Apostle Paul's talking during time of great persecution. Reminds me of some of our Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are being persecuted in extreme ways. Uh, it says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So one way of being dead and being brought to life has to do with this not trusting in yourself, but in God who raises the dead. And I really want to focus on that because there have been times in my life that I have trusted in myself and not in God who raises the dead. And I'll tell you, it's burnout. If you try and do things on your own, on your own strength, it's exhausting. I did ministry. It was, it was a big turning point in my life, a dark moment about 10 years ago. I was just doing ministry and doing it without God, which people do that sometimes. I know that sounds ridiculous and stupid, and it certainly was ridiculous and stupid. But, all you know, when you're not really seeking God and trusting in God who raises the dead, but trusting in yourself, I was like being with people and giving advice out, doling out my little advice. And, but I got burnt out. It was like, oh, these people are exhausting. <laughs> That's what happens when you're not trusting God, when you're trusting in yourself. And so that's a deadness. There's a deadness. There's an emptiness. It's very much a walking dead kind of circumstance. And so I wanna, what I love about Abraham and Sarah and this story is that it's a story of faith. They call Abraham the father of faith. And faith is life-giving because it's taking the focus off of you and onto God who raises the dead. And so I want to begin our story in Genesis chapter 12 and in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, that was his name to start with, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. Or it doesn't say you, sorry. <laughs> in all the families of the, and you, and in you, sorry, geez. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, you know, here's the thing is, God asks him to do something really difficult. He's 75. He's kind of a prosperous fellow. And God's telling him, I want you to leave everything you know and go someplace you know nothing about. Would you say that that would take a little bit of faith? Anybody here might have a hard time if God told them that. Leave everything. Go to another country where you don't know nobody. Take your family. Leave everything that you know. So God told him to do that, but in it, so this is a stretch. This is uncomfortable. You definitely would have to trust God. You'd have to trust, I mean, God's telling him to do it, and we'd like to be in a place, right? If God tells us to do something, we go, sure. But sometimes it's not easy, right? So 
It's definitely uncomfortable, but look at the promise that comes with it. God says, if you do this, look at these promises. These are kind of big. I will make you a great nation. Wow. Bless you. Make your name great. Bless those that bless you. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because you've got the promise of God that's big. And I would say... God's vision for our lives is so much bigger than our own. We think so small, guys. You know, God wants everything. It says Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. That God's idea of what he hopes and dreams for you is so rich beyond your wildest dreams. But so many times we limit God because we don't trust him in the promise. And we've got to do it our own way. God says that that promise, if, if he didn't get up and go, the promise wouldn't come to, pa- up to pass. There's a condition on it. God was asking him to do something uncomfortable and to stretch for him and to trust him in what he was instructing Abram to do. A lot of times promises are on conditions where God's asking us to stretch. I want you to think about that. Is there a way that God's asking you to stretch right now? Because if he is... I'm going to assert that it's because he wants to take you into someplace unbelievable beyond what you got in your head, of beyond whatever sometimes we're holding on to. What if he said, no, this is great here. I love this place. I love my home. I love all this stuff. I can't let go. Sometimes we're holding on so tightly. You know, we got that closed fist thing, holding on to what we got that we're not willing to let go for the bigger thing that God has in store for us. You can't really receive with a closed fist, right? Just like, oh, got to keep it, got to keep it. So we're going to see. It's kind of cool because look at what Abraham says. In verse 4 it says, so he departed as the Lord spoke. He went, got up and went. I love that. Let's go to Genesis 15 and verse 5. It says, then he brought him, Abraham outside, God brought Abraham outside and said, now look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. You want to try that sometime? Just try. Okay, count the stars, God says, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So this is really really wild because at this point, Abram, we know he's 75 years old and he doesn't have children. It's not exactly childbearing age, right? 75. He has no kids. And in these times, in this custom, it was a curse not to have children. There was incredible shame. It wasn't like an option. You know, today people like opt out of having kids. They're like, oh, not my lifestyle. Back in those days in that culture, it was like, it was... There was shame involved. It it was really a terrible thing to be infertile. And so Abram and his wife didn't have any children. And God's saying, look up at the start, 75. And he's like, that's how many descendants you're going to have. We know today that that actually happened. Um, And that definitely Abram, his name is great. It's known in three of the world's major religions. Everybody knows and honors Abraham. Um, so it's interesting because he kind of goes up and down a little bit in this faith 
journey. And so in Genesis 16, in verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Oh, I told you that already. I should have waited for the surprise. But no, I, actually, it's important that when he made the promise, there's no children. So it's still happening. A little time goes by, still no kids. And then it says, And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. So there are some things here. This is, for one, time has gone by. God promised it. And Sarai's going, the Lord restrained me. Wow. She's saying, God's stopping me from having children. God promised that Abram would be the father as many as the stars. But Sarai is going, I don't got him yet. It's not right now. Sometimes we relate that way. Sometimes the promise of God, because of the vision that he has for you, it's going to take time. You know, I see this all the time, especially in the whole dating relationship thing. You know, we're kind of big on the whole relationship stuff here. A lot of times people just like, hey, I don't got the man or the woman from the Lord right now. I got to do this my own way. You know, gosh, I've been single five years or whatever, you know. It's not happening, so let me figure out another way to do this. And that's what Sarai did because for her to even say that, look at her heart. God promised it, and she's saying, the Lord's stopping me. That's how she's relating. Is that reality? No, it's not reality. It's fear. The promise of God is still good. If God promises something, guys, you can take it to the bank. We're going to take a look at that. If God's promised it, he is willing and able to perform it. You can't pray for anything. But if there's a promise from God, you can pray for that and have faith. So anyway, but she's sitting there getting her heart hard. So much so that talk about a a bad idea. She's saying, go have sex with my maid and we'll have kids that way. Does that sound like a good plan? Though it's complicated. Hey, relationships weren't any different back then they are today. You got your husband having sex with the maid, it's not going to turn out well. Come on, really? It's just as messy. People, relationships, just as messy. But culturally, this was a cultural norm. In the, you know, pretty, sometimes culture has some really weird ideas of what's going to work, right? So culturally, they did that. That's how they fixed this whole shame with no having kids, is if you could not have kids, if you're infertile, that the rule was, if you had a maid, you could use her to have some kids for you. And they didn't have artificial insemination, so they had to do it the old-fashioned way. Of course, this is going to be a bad plan. This is not the way that God intended this. This is not trusting God. And we do this sometimes where you just don't trust God for how he's working things out for you or how he wants to bring something to pass. And you just go, I'm going to do this my own way because it doesn't look like God's working fast enough. So clearly this turns out to be a mess because Hagar gets pregnant and starts looking down her nose at Sarai. And Sarai's like, wow. She's like, you're, my maid detests me now. Get rid of her. Send her away. You know, because it's messy. So it was kind of interesting because 
Abraham go, and it also look at how Abram goes along with this. It's not always the guy's fault, right? You know, he's like, oh, it's my wife, and she's stressed out. She doesn't have any kids, and so he listens to her and goes along with this. So when, when Hagar gets pregnant, what happens is Sarah then gets mad and tells Abram, get, her, get her, rid of her. I can't handle being around her. I can't see her anymore. Get rid of her. And so Hagar runs, and the Lord comes and speaks to her and says, I'm going to take care of you. Go back. You know, that your child, I'm going to cry thinking about that, but I just love how the Lord took care of Hagar in this too. You know, her son was Ishmael, and all the Arab people come from the descendants of Ishmael. So the Lord even told Hagar, I'm going to make you, you, you know, a mother of nations through Ishmael. And so there was a blessing in it for her as well. Anyway, we'll go back to uh, Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. Time's going by now. We got 24 years later. Genesis 17 and verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face. Oh, I love his love and reverence for God. And talk with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So this is interesting because God changes Abraham's, Abraham, Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So that means God's saying, and I just love, again, Abram's heart where God shows up and he worships and falls on his face. You know, if you, if you haven't ever tried praying on your knees before God, I'm telling you, there's just something about it that builds faith and, and recognizing God for being mighty and strong. You know, it talks a lot in the Bible about bowing down, and bowing down is kneeling. It's not like take a bow. <laughs> so some people, I, I realized that when I was like bowing, bowing, and people are like, "Does that mean like this or like a curtsy?" Or it's um, it's kneeling. Um, so he, so God tells Abram, change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So that means Abraham has to introduce himself to everybody as, "I'm father of many nations. How do you do? That's my name." How many children do you have? None. I'm 100, got none. Father of many nations at 100 years old. How old's your wife? Oh, she's 100 too. Father of many nations. So there's power in this. We're going to see this because Abraham had to confess boldly the promise of God everywhere he went. He could have, again, he could have disobeyed God. God said, change your name. He's like, that sounds stupid. I'm not going to tell people that. I'll look like an idiot. Because people are going to ask me if i got kids, you know, right? A lot of times, like, again, look at how many times, like, if we have the promise of God that we talk ourselves out of confessing it or being bold. You have to have faith, you know? If you can't even say it out loud, where's the faith in that as far as the promise of God goes? So there's power in that. There's power in confessing and saying boldly the promises of God, because the promise of God is reality. 
You know, it's not just being positive, guys. I mean, it's not just going, rah, rah, you know, I'm beautiful. Everybody likes me like Stuart Smalley. You know, it's not just that. Looking in the mirror, I'm fabulous. You know, I get like positive stuff. Sometimes positive or lies, right? That's not helpful. But the promises of God, faith is a bigger deal. It's trusting in something that is trustworthy. It's different than being positive. Positive, you can deceive yourself if that's all that it is about. But being bold in the promise of God, because God's promise is real, it's true, because God is faithful. Let's go. Um, to Romans chapter 4. This is talking about, in hindsight, about Abram and Sarah. In Romans 4 and verse 16, and that we know, I mean, it's interesting, like, through Abram, he was the father of many nations because through Ishmael, you got all the Arab people, and then through Isaac, you have all the Jews. I mean, talk about a great name and somebody that the descendants are like the stars in the heavens too hard to count it's a pretty big group of people coming from abraham abraham romans 4 and verse 16 it says therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace okay i want to talk about this because faith is really important when it comes to prayer and the promises of god it says that the way First, you have to know what's available from God, which is the promises. You can't just pray for everything, anything. You can't pray for, to take another person's free will. It's not available. You can pray to your blue in the face. I know some of you want to change people in your lives. And you can pray for them, but God won't overstep free will. God can help out, though, by making this. It's worth praying for your friends because God can help out because you can pray for God to send people or to put them in conditions that will help open their heart to God. But when we pray, we need to know first what's available from God, which is the promise. We, what, what's available, what's not available. And then second, the how of receiving from God is always faith. It says that, that it's by faith that we receive the promises of God. And faith, why God has faith in there, it's right here. It's that it might be according to grace, that it's free will that it's not something that we earn, that faith is a way for us to say yes to God, for us to accept the free will gift of God. So that's why faith is a big deal, and we want to have faith. It says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. And this is the promise of salvation, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So it says that even if we are not descendants of the lineage of Abraham, Abraham is the father of anybody that has faith. He's the faith of the father of faith. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. And then look at this. God who gives what? Life to the dead. God gives life. There's nothing God can do. God can raise the dead. They keep bringing this up. There is nothing God can't do. It says, who gives life to the dead, and I love this, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is how we want to speak. We're going to look at this. The way to speak faith, and speaking faith is speaking powerfully. It is owning the promises of God to be true. It says God calls things that aren't yet as though they are. 
He called Abraham the father of many nations when he had no kids. That's what faith looks like. It's saying that you believe God even if you haven't seen it yet, that you believe the promises of God. It's saying God wants me healed. That's a promise of God is healing. That helps our faith and helps us to believe that God is willing and able, which we'll look at. It says in verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. What? According to what was spoken. So the faith, it says, came according to what is spoken. There's the promise of God. So shall your descendants be. And in verse 19, and not being weak in what? Faith. There's a thing as being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. I told you there's a lot of deadness going around here. His body's dead, not, you know, pulling blanks or something. And it's like, I mean, it says his own body already dead since he's 100. I mean, I know that, you know. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So I want to look at this. It says, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his body or Sarah's womb. It says, but instead, okay, it says he's, it didn't, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So what happened was, you got a choice. You can look at your circumstances that might suck, or you can look to God. Your circumstances oftentimes in life suck, but God is bigger. So part of this is keeping our eyes not on our flesh, not on ourselves, not on our own limitations, our own weaknesses, because we got plenty of those, but that God is bigger, that God has promised something, and God is faithful, keeping our eyes on him. Do you see how that changes your faith? And this is a journey. Abraham and Sarah, they had moments that their faith was not the greatest. Abraham lied about being married to Sarah and all this kind of thing, all kind of wacky things that in between if you want to read the record. So they kind of went up and down. They weren't perfect. I like that. That helps me to relate. You know, because our faith is not perfect. It does go up and down. And, and God gets that, and God understands that, and God's loving about that. But what we want to do is do things that help feed our faith. Faith is not something you can force. You either believe or don't believe, but you can't just lie to yourself, right? I mean, so faith is not lying to yourself. For instance, I'll give you healing is a promise from God, but sometimes healing is hard to believe, right? Anybody struggle with that? I definitely did uh, when I had cancer five years ago. It was like, it was hard. I was like, oh, okay. I believe that God is a miracle worker that can heal cancer instantly. I do believe that. But it's a difference between saying, I believe God's a healer versus I absolutely believe I'm going to be healed. You know, it was just hard to wrap my head around that. You know, it's just where my faith is. But you know what? God loves me. Even though my faith is not there or was not there for an instant miracle in that moment, God still loves me. So it helped me to stay connected and close and seeking God. And what I could confess is the things I did know. I could confess things like, I know God is good. I know he doesn't want me to have cancer. It's not a good thing to have cancer. I know that. 
God loves me. I've screwed up a lot, but God is still not punishing me for the places that I've fallen short in my life. God loves me just the way I am and wants me healed. I just don't know that I got the faith right now for that. But I do believe in God's goodness and I believe in his power. So where it helped me to stay connected and stay praying instead of hiding from God, because a lot of times have you ever hid from God when you have problems? You know, you're like, oh, you get freaked out. and You go like where Sarah I went. God doesn't want me to have kids. He's stopping me from having kids. Pulling away from God gets our head to start going there, to looking at life like God doesn't want this for me. God doesn't want me blessed. He wants bad things. You know what? Satan wants you to think that. Satan wants you to think God wants bad things for you, that God really doesn't care about you, that he's punishing you because you've been bad or something and doesn't want you blessed. That's never the word of God. I don't care how much you screwed up. God still wants to take care of you and wants to be there for you. He wants you healed. He wants you blessed. So what happened uh, with my cancer situation for people that didn't know me then is so I prayed, and there was um, the, the way that it works is there's a whole bunch of elements that decide whether you're stage one or stage two cancer. If I got stage one, I didn't need chemotherapy, which was my big deal. I was terrified of having chemotherapy. Um, I've had friends that had it, and I just was hysterical. I have nightmares even sometimes thinking about being afraid of if that happened. And so I just said, God, I've seen your love. I've seen you answer so many prayers in my life. I've seen you do miracles in my life. I've seen you heal my heart. I've seen you heal my relationships. I wouldn't have an awesome husband, awesome marriage if it wasn't for you, God, and turning my life around. I've seen your power and your goodness. And so I just said, God, my, my tumor was over two centimeters. And so the rule is, if it's anything over two centimeters, you have to have chemotherapy. And so I just said, God, I don't have the, I just don't have the faith that you're going to, you know, that it's just going to go away instantly. I'm just not there. You know, it's just hard for me um, to see past what the physical thing was exhibiting. So I said, but I just prayed that if there was any way to shrink the tumor, and people told me that the, the doctor said that there's no such thing. And so when I went into surgery, they had measured it at 2.3 centimeters. When I went into surgery, it was 1.9, and I didn't need the chemotherapy. Praise God. I was blessed. I mean, beyond, I mean, it was amazing. But I get it. Like, God loves us whether we have the faith or not. But the goal is that we want to do things that help grow our faith. And I'm going to talk about that in a little minute here, too. But let's look at the rest of that. It says in verse 20, I want to go back, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was, look at that, strengthened in faith. I want to talk about how you get strengthened in faith. It says, giving glory to God. There's There's one key. And being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to, he was also able to perform. So part of faith is believing that God is willing and God is able. Think about it. If you have a hard time trusting God, usually it's because you're thinking God's either not willing or not able. You know, oh, I believe God's all-powerful. He's the creator of all earth, but I don't think he wants to help me because I've been too bad. That ever get in the way of your faith? I didn't, I didn't go to church last Sunday. Didn't put money in the offering plate. God doesn't like me. You know, or obviously 
many things that get in the way of uh, sins or th- places that we've fallen short. So you think God's not willing or you think he's not able. It's hard for me to see that God's really got that ability to see God as being that powerful. But you see that his faith, it says he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And so this is the thing we want to think about how we sow into our lives that helps us be strengthened in faith and give glory to God. Because that helps us to grow our faith and our trust in God. So I want to go to one more. In Hebrews 1, it says, Now faith is the substance or the proof of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It says, it's kind of interesting. Somebody explained this to me. It's like, because faith is invisible, right? And so if there's a promise of God like Abraham or whatever his promise is to you or promises in God's word, you can't see them. It says faith is proof that they're going to happen. It's like, you know, it's like having the title deed to a car. If you don't see the car, you get the title deed to it. You know, it's like proof that you own the car. Faith is that. That's what faith is. It's proof before you see the promise come to pass. So it's really a big deal that we want to be in that place of faith. Uh, Because when we have faith and God has promised it, then you can take it to the bank. In Hebrews 11 and verse 11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, way past the age, because she judged him faithful. Look at this. This is why she judged God faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many stars in the sky and the multitude innumerable as the sand by which, which is by the seashore. So, We want to look at this because you want to get where you believe that God is faithful who had promised. That's what faith looks like. You know God's word. You know what God's promised. It doesn't have to be a specific speaking promise. There are over 900 promises in the word of God. Can you, you know, if you don't know what they are, though, how are you going to pray for them with faith? So guess what? You might want to know God's word a little bit, wouldn't you say? You know, how many promises do you know out of the 900? You're kind of missing out, wouldn't you say, if you don't know that many? You know, this is honestly, we're going to put a little plug in here. It's a good reason to go to the Seekers Retreat. (laughs) It's a great faith builder. Seriously, we only do it twice a year, May 1st through the 3rd. Talk about something that catapults you into a place of faith way beyond where you're at. It's, it's a life-changing weekend. There, I, I, I know personally hundreds of people that have done it, and it changes lives because you learn the promises of God. You learn what's available that you can pray for. It's a time to get to know God's word. God's word is one of the five things that it speaks about in the book of Acts that builds faith. So we want to be, even though you can't force faith, like, like concentrate, you know, like I used to think it was like visualization. It's not mind-powered, it's God power. It's just getting your mind off of you and onto the power of God where you believe it. So the things that you can do to sow in as far as growing your faith are the word, getting doses of God's word in there is a piece piece of it. Fellowship. So, hey, you're in her church. That's fellowship. So good for you. You're doing something that builds your faith. Don't you think coming Sundays builds your faith a little bit? Yeah, see God? Yeah, that's why you want big doses of that. So (laughs) to, uh, to up that. 
And then also sharing what God's done for you builds your faith. Have you ever, like, forgot what God did for you? You know, like sharing it and telling other people how God's healed me, etc. You're like, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> I forgot. Me and Alberto were talking about that when he was like, he's like, oh, yeah, I forget sometimes what I used to be like. Like, it's a faith builder to just share your story with other people. Um, prayer also is a faith builder. So spending time on your knees before the Father helps build faith. That helps build Abraham's faith as well as well as giving financially. I know that sounds like a really strange thing, but God put it in there because how many times do you trust in your money? Like, and have it all, you know how easy it is to get distracted and make everything be about money? Like, oh, if, it would all be great if I just had money, if it just, you know, God knows that. It's a biblical, spiritual principle. It's like God says, you know, to not be thinking and obsessed with all of that but to seek first the kingdom of God in a way that God provided for that is that it's a spiritual principle. We don't do it just, to, you know, to pay the bills here. Honestly, I believe with all my heart, I've, you know, like giving has affected me profoundly. I'm big on giving. I'm passionate about it. It builds my faith. I have seen God work in that way of letting go of the things that normally I would relate to as providing for me and taking care of me and trusting God. That is another way of building faith. That's why God put tithing in there, which is a stretch, right? You know, God talks about giving 10% of what you make. It's just like it's a stretch. If you haven't ever tried it before, at the beginning it could be painful. <laughs> now it's like nothing. 10% is like bubkiss. I'm like, bring it, baby. Like, I'm like, my God's big. He provides. So these are some of the five things that you can be doing that help build faith. So I want you to think right now, if you could use a little bit more faith, anybody here could use some more faith? Could grow, yeah? Then think about that. I want you to think, and I'm going to do a little meditation and a prayer, about what of those five areas that we just named, you got prayer, you got God's word, you got fellowship, you got sharing what God's done for you and giving financially. Out of those five, what are the ones you could up a little bit? What are the ones you're kind of being a little timid on that maybe you could step out and trust in God? Because we want to be going full gun, full, full steam ahead with all five of those. Because I want faith, baby. I want faith. I don't want to trust in myself. It's dead. It's empty. It burns me out when I do it. And we all kind of go up and down with that. But it's just like, I don't want to be walking on empty, trusting in my flesh. I want to look to him who raises the dead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray as you can meditate and seek God's heart in this. Heavenly Father, I love that you can raise the dead, that there is nothing impossible for you, that there is nothing too hard when it comes to you, God. I'm an idiot when I trust in myself. I don't know why I do it sometimes, and I certainly do from time to time. It's stressful when I'm thinking about taking on everything on my own shoulders, but that you ask us, to cast all our care on you because you care for us. Help us to grow in faith that we can trust you, trust in your goodness, that we can be bold about the promises. Help us to dig into your word to learn the promises and to have faith that what's available, that you're willing and able to do it. God. So I just ask right now that you stir in our hearts places that we need to step out and get uncomfortable like Abraham. Abraham, you told him to leave his country and his people and everything else. God, help. I just, I just ask right now that you speak. Ask to speak to us. That we would invite you in to say, what are you asking me to stretch on now, God? 
I want to see you bigger. I want to get uncomfortable because that's when I'm going to see your power is when I stretch and when I walk out in faith, God, that I make room for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.